You're listening to the Upper Room Podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit UpperRoomFrisco.com. How are y'all doing? <laughs> um, hey, let's put our hands on our bellies. You know, Jesus said, come to me and drink, and out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Uh, I had this song in my, in my heart all day today. And if you know it, I want you to sing it with me. I've got a river of life flowing out of me. It makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. It opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Spring up, oh well. In my soul, spring up, oh well. Make me whole, spring up, oh well. And give to me that life abundantly. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful he didn't leave us as orphans? That he came and rescued us and brought us home. <laughs> you know, the, gospels is the, the gospel is the spout where the joy comes out. <laughs> he brought us home. <laughs> we'll never be thirsty again. Because his river, the Holy Spirit, flows from within us. Isn't that amazing? I'm so honored to be asked by Jeremy to speak tonight. I love this community. Like, I love you people. Y'all are amazing. Uh, There's so much, just amazing connections, friendships, just family being being established here. See, we're we're a community with a common unity, and that's the minister to the heart of the Lord. It's, you know, we have the presence of God as our unity. And, um... You know, God's not a three-letter word. He's a three-person family. You know, he's always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I know it's a mystery. But see, the, the, the nature of God, you know, he's, God is love. He's love in community. The core of God is community in love. So I think we're on the right track because we are a community in love. So if we're a community in love, the more we are that, the more like God we are. So I'm just, I'm very thankful for what God is birthing here. Um, little intro, I guess. Um, my wife and I, Hannah, y'all, y'all saw her earlier. Um, we've been married for a little over seven years. Uh, September 28th, 2013 is the day that uh, we became one. Um, you know, we... Uh, she kind of alluded to it uh, earlier. Um, we started going to Upper Room Dallas in 2015. And we were, you know, just honored and blessed to be a part of the leadership team in launching this northern campus. It was really cool, all this, you know, behind-the-scenes stuff that happened. But uh, this really is, th- this community was birthed from a word from the Lord. It really was. Um, that's one of the things that I, that I admire about Freeland Miller. Like, Freeland... And Larissa, they, uh, they planted, or they, they're the founders of Upper Room Dallas. I think it was in 2010, right? 
Um, well, what I, one of the things I admire about that man is his obedience to just follow the wind of God. Like, if, if, he, if he believes that God is speaking to do something, he will go do it. And we're here because of him doing that. So I just want to honor him for that. Um, you know, what drew us to Upper Room back in 2015, I was thinking about this. Thinking about, like, you know, if I could use one word or phrase to describe what we saw when we went to the All Saints building, um, was I think the word would be obsession. Obsession for the presence of Jesus Christ. You know, um, it's very rare to see that in a community. And these people were just obsessed with loving on Jesus. And me and Hannah looked at each other. We were like, we're kind of obsessed with that too, you know. And so we, we were very thankful for this place. Tonight, I'm just going to share a little bit of my story. You know, uh, I'm not going to do too heavy teaching or anything like that. I'm going to mention some insights that I've had along the journey. Um, but what I'm, after I share a little bit of my story, what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a revelation that about 10 years ago, I began scratching the surface of that the Lord gave me, this revelation. And just, just in the mere, like, peeking into this revelation that I'm still unpacking, that I'm going to spend all eternity unpacking, just with a little scratch of the surface of this, I was set free from depression, hopelessness. I got purpose back in my life. I was set free from burnout. I don't know if you've ever felt burnt out before as a Christian. You know, religion kills and Jesus thrills. <laughs> that's how burnout happens when we try to get something that's already ours. Um, but uh, also, I wasn't even looking for this, but I got set free from pornography. You know, I know that's a taboo subject. Sometimes we don't like to talk about it, but last stat I read, I think it's the vast majority of at least dudes I know uh, struggle with that. And I wasn't immune to that at that time. Um, but what I'm going to share tonight literally set me free 10 years ago. It's pretty awesome. Um, so anyways, I'm from Jennings, Louisiana. Uh, I moved here to Carrollton, Texas when I was like four or five years old. I was raised in church, amazing godly parents. Uh, they come from a Church of Christ background. Um, and, the, and the church I went to, I don't, I don't think it was Church of Christ, but it was very, very familiar. It just, it just had drums and music you know, um, but, uh, you know, for whatever reason, I didn't accept Jesus as my savior until my senior year in high school. Um, from like 14 till my senior year, uh, it was a pretty crazy time. <laughs> um, I did a lot of stuff that I shouldn't have done back in high school. Um, and, uh, but I had a praying mama, and an amazing example and a father. You know, you train up a child in the way that they should go, and what's the rest of it? And they will not depart from it when they get old, right? Well, because of that foundation, I think that's why it was a lot easier for me to come back to Jesus my senior year in high school. Um, you know, something, uh, I think it was about a year, year and a half after I gave my heart to the Lord, I remember having a conversation with a buddy of mine, and I was like, you know, there's got to be something more to this. Like, the phrase I used was, there's got to be something more than just reading the Bible. And I love the Bible. We're going to get into the Bible tonight. But 
what I was trying to convey at that time that I understand now was that I was, I was longing for a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, I think what I had was, I, I definitely accepted him in my heart, but it was probably more of a mental ascent. Um, so around that time, uh, I, I saw this girl at, I used to go to Brookhaven, Brookhaven Community College for a little bit of years. We used to call it Brook Harvard. Um, but, uh, but I saw this girl uh, that I uh, kind of recognized from high school, um, and then we, and, you know, pursued her, and we, we started dating. But she was one of those charismatics, though, you know. Like, she believed in, like, weird stuff, like speaking in tongues and, you know, prophesying and getting slain in the spirit and getting drunk in the Holy Ghost, you know. You know, like all of us in here believe, right? Um, but, uh, you know, she took me to this, like, youth camp, or it was, uh, it was I guess, young adults because we were, like, 19. And uh, y'all know Potter's House, T.D. Jakes. I'll forever be grateful for that church because they sent one of their pastors, Chris Hill, to this, uh, this gathering. And I don't even remember what he preached on, but it was fiery. And uh, I remember there was, like, people praying in tongues around me, and I was very thankful I didn't bring one of my friends with me. Um... <laughs> It was very weird, but I was hungry, so I didn't care about the weird. I wanted the real. And, uh, and what happened to me, um, uh, he did an altar call toward the end of the, uh, of the service, and I just ran down there. I'm ready. Whatever you have for me, Lord. And then uh, when I got down there, there was like this line of people. I've never experienced anything like this. And he started going down the line and like touching people's head, and then people were like falling down on the ground. And I was like, it was like a war zone. It was like all these people were falling over. I was like, what's going on right now, you know? And I'm like, okay, what, what's going to happen? And uh, so I'm like, okay, whatever, Lord, I trust you. And so he comes over to me, and he just puts his hand right on my forehead. He just goes, in the name of Jesus. And then I didn't, it was like electricity shot through my body. Like I wasn't being electrocuted. It wasn't painful, Okay. Um, but you know, I kind of dabbled in some substances in high school and this was way better than that. I'll tell you that. And so, and so I remember like it start like I I just was like, just started shaking up there and I was like, what is going on? You know? And, uh, and then this lady came over and she was like, Hey, come over here, come to the side of the the stage. You know, they had a system. It was incredible. Um, uh, like I went over to the side of the stage and then more people came forward and then they started falling around, you know? And, um, and so I went over to the side of the stage and my knees just buckled. And I was like, what is going on? And I, and I heard this guy behind me, he was a younger kid, just praying in tongues. And I was like, can I do this? And uh, it was like I discovered this union that I had with the Holy Spirit that I didn't even know about. It was like this ancient well, this river started like bubbling up from within me. And all of a sudden, I just started praying in this language that my mind never learned. I was actually kind of freaked out. You know, I'm very analytical, so I'm like, what is this? Is this really happening? Like, you know, and, uh, and it just kind of, you know, I felt like it went from, like, black and white to technicolor. You know, like, everything just kind of changed in my life. Um, then a few years after that, uh, I ended up getting married to this girl. This was uh, long before Hannah. And, um, and then about a month or two, about a month or two after we got married, we were in our apartment, which happened to be here in Frisco, and she came up to me, 
We sat down on the couch, and she goes, hey, I got to tell you something. I was like, what's up? She goes, I really felt like I made a mistake marrying you. She's like, I I felt like I got married too young. From my birth to that day, that day was the worst day of my life. It 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 was a pretty horrible day. I'm not going to go into all the details that transpired over the, last, over the next year just because she was my wife, and there's honor and respect there still. And I've forgiven her. Everything's fine. But I will say this. 2006 was the year from hell. It was a uh, uh, mental agony, mental anguish, heartache, stuff that I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. It was, uh, it was, it was really, really bad. Uh, but the restoration of the Lord... One month after uh, she divorced me and the divorce was final, I had a really good friend who was going to this church called Sojourn in Carrollton, Texas. And he goes, hey, you need to come to this life group. These leaders are amazing. Their names are Paul and Quessa Wood. Paul and Quessa, can you wave your hand? They are Hannah's parents. And that's an amazing story in and of itself. How the Lord, She was living in California at the time, so it was almost like I became a part of their family before she moved back, and then we got together and everything. And It's a longer story, but it's amazing. Um, so I guess what happened over the last couple, next couple years, like I was kind of on and off. You know, I had a lot of healing that the Lord had to do for me. You know, you deal with rejection, like, like all this stuff, you know, um, fire kind of dwindled in my life. Uh, and then, you know, uh, what was it? I guess the year doesn't matter, but I remember, uh, I heard this guy named Bill Johnson from Bethel Church in Redding, California. And, uh, that guy like did something to me. I don't know what, but I started listening to him and I'm like, he's got like like fire all over him, you know, and uh, it was just, it was amazing, and then I remember what I did is I subscribed to like Bethel.tv, you know, because I heard about the miracles and everything that's going on over there, and, uh, and so I started watching worship services, and what I saw was the same thing we saw when we first visited Upper Room years later. It was these people that were just obsessed with the presence of Jesus, just obsessed with Jesus, and, um, and something happened to me. It was like an impartation started happening over that time period when I would just watch these worship services. I went from I ought to worship God to I want to worship God. It was like Jesus uh, went from being, um, being medicine that I needed to have a better day to the wine that I enjoyed. soto. Um, I was obsessed with this Jesus who was filling me with pleasure beyond comprehension. (laughs) You know, there's fullness of joy, not in perfect circumstance, but in his presence. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. So much pleasure that it would take forever and more to unpack. So then, toward the end of 2011, I watched online this thing called the One Thing Conference. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that here. Um, Mike Bickle spoke. 
And that conference that year was called Jesus, Our Magnificent Obsession. And what happened was he put into words what I was beginning to experience at that time in my life. So what I did, I transcribed a few excerpts from that message. I'm going to read it to you. Let's just continue to encounter the presence of Jesus right now, okay? Let's, let's have some fun tonight with this glorious man named Jesus. This is what Mike Bickle said. <clears throat> a magnificent obsession is an oxymoron, a contradiction of terms. Almost every obsession the human heart has is destructive. However, there is one obsession that liberates us and brings us into our destiny, fills us with spiritual pleasure, crowns us with God's glory. My basic premise is that there is no aspect of God's grace that more powerfully transforms our emotions or satisfies our heart than when God, the Holy Spirit, reveals God to the human spirit. The most transforming, exhilarating, motivating reality in the kingdom is Jesus himself. Christianity is more than escaping from hell, obeying a code of conduct, and fulfilling a ministry assignment. Many live a defensive Christianity. They focus on sincerely resisting darkness, but do not aggressively pursue Jesus. This approach is weak and ineffective and does not change our heart. Many in the church think of Jesus mostly in terms of one who forgives them and stamps their passports, they can go to heaven. They only see one who heals, provides, directs, blesses circumstances, but he is much more. The best kept secret in the church is Jesus's magnificence. Paul gladly gave up everything as he saw the magnificence, the excellence of Jesus. If we can see what Paul saw, we could live like Paul lived. Paul gladly gave up everything to see more of this magnificence of Jesus. When I was reading that this week, when I was preparing for this, an obvious question kind of came to my mind. What exactly did Paul see then? What did he see? This is the revelation that I just kind of peekabooed into that just that little bit of a glimpse completely transformed my life. And I cannot put this fire out because it's his fire, not mine. That's a key too. This is the revelation. Christ and him crucified. See, Christ is the door. He's not just the door into a supernatural life. We can have all these supernatural experiences. He's the door and the destination. He is the mystical experience. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ and him crucified. Philippians 3.10, Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. See, that Greek word for I want, I want to know Christ is gnosko, and that, that Greek word is not a mere intellectual assent. It is an intimate, experiential knowing of this risen Christ, this experience that just transforms everything. And he said he wanted to know Christ, but and equally be intimately equated with his 
Based, his finished work. Like it was Christ crucified and resurrected. It's, it's both. See, here's the deal. Paul didn't separate encounter from theology. See, I began to see Jesus and then when he, what he accomplished for me and who I am and then things started changing. See, from like 2010 to like 2012, I was just on this journey, just drinking in the Pauline epistles. I mean, just, what did you see, Paul? What did you see, Paul? And I remember one day, I asked the Lord, when was the last time I felt depressed? I, I don't feel depressed anymore. I don't have hopelessness anymore. Like, what's going on? When's the last time I fell into, like, like sexual sin and lust? I couldn't even remember. I remember that day, the Lord stopped me. I'll never forget what he said. This is what he told me. Ryan, there's no need for you to know how long it's been because for you, my son, when you know how long, that span of time becomes your trophy, not me. So I was looking for the performance hamster wheel trying to make me think like I'm doing something good for God, even, but, not, but not resting in what he did for me. Then he said, the cross is you dying, and the empty tomb is you living again, fully restored to what I intended. You walk in victory because I walked in victory. Your sin is defeated because I never sinned. You experienced the benefits of a sinless life because I lived a sinless life. I became your sin and you became my righteousness. See, what the Lord began showing me is what theologian T.F. Torrance refers to as Jesus being the vicarious man. He, he was the vicarious man. Paul calls him the last Adam. See, as our vicarious representative, Christ united himself to our humanity when he took on human flesh, destroyed its curse on the cross, and then resurrected it and brought it back to the Father in his ascension. See, Jesus' ascension is our home going, our homecoming. See, what Paul saw when you read the letters, it's not just merely what happened to Jesus in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. The focus is what happened to you in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Galatians 2.20 says, I was crucified with Christ. See, in the incarnation, Jesus united himself to your humanity so that whatever happened to him happened to you. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, he who knew no sin became sin so that we would be made the righteousness of God in him. See, he identified with you so that you could identify with him. The son of God became the son of man so that sons of men can become sons of God. See, Christ partook of your human nature so that you can partake of his divine nature. 2 Peter Chapter 1, verse 3 through 4. And you can put that up on the screen. It's New King James Version. That's what I'm going to read out of. Second Peter, chapter 1, starting in verse 3. I'll just begin. As his divine power 
has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Jesus is a very happy man and he lives inside of me. See, what transformed my life is that I began seeing that encountering Jesus and proper theology and doctrine about Jesus are inseparable. See, I knew Jesus for 10 years but walked in bondage because I didn't know what he accomplished on my behalf. See, he's called the truth. I believe he's called the truth because encountering the person and theology are not meant to be separate. Jesus Christ is perfect theology. See, the church... The church, a lot, a lot of times, is like, we just want to go crazy in a mystical encounters. Let's go, let's just get an encounter of the Lord, encounter the presence of the Lord. But we neglect proper theology and proper, uh, you know, like, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. It's very important to have both. And then we, we go from one ditch to the other. Then we go to the other side, and we're just too heady, and we're, it's all about intellect, and, we're, and there's no personal encounter. See, if... Um, if I was going to try to balance, like if I had a balance beam here, and there was, I guess, like a, like a paint, you know, can or whatever, and I'm sitting here trying to balance, I would definitely fall and y'all would laugh. But, but here's the thing. Um, like, I think what we do a lot of times in the church is we go all the way over here to encounter, and we have no balance. And then we go all the because and then we mess up and do something wrong, so we go back over here to theology, and we have no balance. And then what happens is we try to get in the middle, and it's like really wobbly, you know, that's like when we call ourselves charismatics with seatbelts. Um, but, but I believe what Paul did and what we're called to be, I believe this community, is we want to go extreme encounter. Let's just see what his blood paid for. Let's see what we can, we can encounter with him on this side of heaven. And then extreme proper theology and doctrine so that we have a safe place for our community and we make sure that we're, we're I mean, that, I'm just saying it needs to be both at the same time. That's how Paul did it. See, I say Christ and his work because if you don't know what he accomplished, we'll try and get through performance what has already been given to us by grace through his performance. See, if you separate Christ's person from his work, you separate his benefits from his person. What happened to me 10 years ago is that I began to see that the purpose of salvation and the means by which we were saved is the same thing. Union with Jesus. See, he united me to his life, death, resurrection, and ascension so that I could be united with him for all eternity, for all the ages to come. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 through 7, uh, the ESV version, starting in verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come, he would show us the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 
I love how the Passion Translation puts this. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. I'm going to read this one to you. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 4 in the Passion Translation. Or have you forgotten that all of us who were immersed into union with Jesus, the anointed one, were immersed into union with his death? Sharing in his death by our baptism means that we were co-buried and entombed with him so that when the Father's glory raised Christ from the dead, we were also raised with him. We have been co-resurrected with him so that we could be empowered to walk in the freshness of new life. Woo, come on, Jesus. First Peter chapter 1, verse 3, ESV version. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ according to his great mercy who has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. See, what I realized was my old, depressed, hopeless, anxiety-filled self was crucified 2,000 years ago, and my new creation, love drunk on Jesus' self, was raised on that third day. Because 2,000 years ago, me and Jesus bled into one. You know, I think it was Michael Miller, Freeland, like it was was a few years ago, the first time I ever, I don't know why I didn't know this, but he was talking about the blood in the body. And uh, he, he, he looked at the word, he put the word atonement on the screen and like said that word means like at one minute. There's this song by my, uh, one of my favorite worship leaders, Godfrey Bertel. It says, 2,000 years ago, we bled into one. And when I think of it, I'm drunk on your love. How great is the love you've lavished on us. We are your children, oh God. I'm going to keep going. Now every distance, now every distance has been canceled in Christ. And separation's an illusion, a lie. How great is the love he's lavished on us. We are your children, oh God. See, you know what I began to see what I was called to do? And I'm still unpacking this. Lord, help me. But... I began realizing that the Lord wants me to live from the it is finished line. From union with Christ, not toward it. From victory, not for it. From holiness, not for it. From righteousness, not for it. From identity, from the new creation, not trying to kill off the old man that already died 2,000 years ago while we're trying to shadow box the defeated foe. Whose flesh was crucified with Jesus? 
You know, it's important to live holy lives, obviously. We need to live holy. You know, I didn't start living more holy until I realized I already was holy, thanks to Jesus. <laughs> See, I, I, I began to realize that the Christian life isn't about becoming more holy or more righteous. It's about waking up and growing in my awareness of how holy and righteous I already am because of Christ and his work. Any step I take over the it is finish line puts the boasting back on myself and the efforts that I must do and away from being fully satisfied in who he is and what he has already accomplished on my behalf. One is an exhausting, fruitless pursuit of an elusive carrot, not realizing that the carrot was already in our mouth. And the other is a restful recline into union with Christ and him crucified. Because it's union with Christ and you crucified. <laughs> see, when we begin to see that the old identity we're trying to clean up already died, we'll start living from the new identity in Christ, and I believe that the fruit we've been so desperately, desperately longing will actually start happening. It'll be fruit. It'll be a byproduct. See, it's because it's the fruit of his spirit. Who we're one with, by the way. See, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 through 31 says, because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, holiness, redemption, so that it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Holiness, righteousness, redemption is not a process, it's a person. Because of him, we're new creations. Jesus. Yeah, Holy Spirit, just give us light right now. Just enlighten our hearts right now with the gospel with who we are in Christ. I'm just going to read this one for fun. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13, starting in verse 13. New King James Version. I like the New King James because I don't like the translations that says, the love of Christ controls you because God's a good father. He doesn't control us. So anyways, I'd rather say compel. Um, uh, so, okay, verse 13. Yeah. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. I think this is kind of a cool little side note. The Greek word for beside ourselves is ekstizomai, which means to be outside of oneself in a state of blissful ecstasy and filled with pleasure. See, ecstasy, that's where we get the word ecstasy. Ecstasy is not a street drug, it's a person. <laughs> Pants are falling down. Okay. Um, okay. So here's the deal. Verse 14, we find out why he was so blissed out, drunk on the Holy Ghost. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. 
Verse 15, and he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Look at your neighbor and say, you knew. (laughs) Verse 18, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word or the ministry of reconciliation. See, we're called to live from the new creation, from identity. You know, uh, in Galatians 5, I believe, you know, uh, Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It doesn't say, don't fulfill the lust of the flesh and you'll walk in the spirit. You know, the gospel is not, it definitely, okay, we get set free from things, obviously. But you know, the gospel actually is what we've been set free to, more than what we've been set free from. I actually didn't get set free from the things I needed freedom from until I tasted something better. You know, Jesus actually tastes better than sin. He really does. Do you know? I mean, you, I mean like, I, I get way more intoxicated on the sun as I used to do on sin. He tastes so amazing. He tastes better than the freedom that I so longed for. The freedom's a byproduct. Taste and see that the Lord is good. See, tasting him, experiencing him changes your perspective and you get to see him that he's actually good. Mm. Jesus, Holy Ghost. (laughs) Oh Lord, help me. I have so much to share, but I don't have time. Um... Eric, you want to come up? Where's Eric at? The Mr. Royals. I'm going to have him play something here in a little bit. Um, To conclude, what happened to me around 10 years ago, I began to have this obsession to experience the risen Christ and to be intimately as well acquainted with who I am in him and what he did for me and when he included me in his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. So I still now, like Paul, I resolve to know nothing except Christ and him crucified because it's Christ and me crucified. And I resolve to know nothing, or I want to know him and the power of his resurrection because it's also the power of my resurrection um, yeah, can we stand up? I just, uh, I just want us to like have a revelation of who Jesus is and who we are in him.
Um, I just want to pray. Actually, I want my wife to come pray for y'all. Can you pray? Yeah. Holy Spirit, we just, we open up our hearts to truth. Hmm. We look to you and we see ourselves rightly in your eyes. And Lord, I just ask that that revelation, how good and how beautiful and how holy and how complete we are, that as we see ourselves in your eyes, that 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 truth, that experience would seep deep into us. That we would know, that we would experience, oh, oh, the weight of the glory that we walk in as your kids, the fullness of who we are, the fullness that we live and move and have our being in you. And that's where we're made to live. Yes, God. When I was preparing on Tuesday for this, um, for this, uh, for the sermon, I, me and Eric and my wife, Hannah, we do a prayer set at 7 PM every, uh, Tuesday here. And, uh, you know, I'm preparing for this. And then that night, Eric plays this song during the prayer set. And I feel like the Lord said, you need to have him play that at the end because it's like right in line with what I was going to talk about. Um, and I think we're going to have the lyrics on the, on the screen and just, let's just sing the Lord and worship through this. It's, it's from one of my favorite worship leaders, his name's Brian Schiltz. Like the band is Brian Schiltz and the High Country River Drinkers. You know, this very gospel-centered uh, lyrics. Um, but yeah, let's just like worship and allow the Lord to just reveal more truth of the gospel right now. Okay, amen. Take a good long look as the blood rolls down. That war-torn and splintered cross Take a good long look At the righteousness of God With his dying breath He turned our wicked switch off And traded us righteousness for wretchedness Holiness for hopelessness Faithfulness for filthiness, what a good God. He traded us righteousness for wretchedness, holiness for hopelessness, faithfulness for filthiness, what a good God. Take a big old drink from that fresh spring that pulses from this free man's side. And take a big old drink from that ocean of light that drowned a harlot and raised her up a bride. And traded us righteousness for wretchedness, holiness for hopelessness, faithfulness for filthiness. What a good God. And traded us righteousness for wretchedness, for hopelessness, faithfulness for filthiness, what a good God. When evil came upon us, it did not leave our side. We 
When shadows fell down on us, he flooded our fields with light. And when our families disowned us, he adopted us in a flash. And when those bankers came to collect our debts, he paid them all in cash. And traded us righteousness for wretchedness, holiness for hopelessness. Faithfulness for filthiness, what a good God. Righteousness for wretchedness, holiness for hopelessness, faithfulness for filthiness, what a good God. And take a deep, deep breath from that sweet incense. That's running from his empty crypt. And take a deep, deep breath. The Holy Ghost is in the wind. Cause our God killed death and left his body down in the pit. And traded us righteousness for wretchedness. Holiness for hopelessness. Faithfulness for filthiness, what a good God. He traded us righteousness for wretchedness, holiness for hopelessness, faithfulness for filthiness, what a good God, what a good God. He treated us righteousness for wretchedness, holiness for hopelessness. Faithfulness for filthiness, what a good God. He traded us righteousness for wretchedness, holiness for hopelessness, faithfulness for filthiness, what a good God. And when evil came upon us, he did not leave our side. When shadows fell down on us, he flooded our fields with light. And when our families disowned us, he adopted us in a flash. And when those bankers came to collect our debts, he paid them all in cash and gave us righteousness for wretchedness, holiness for hopelessness, faithfulness for filthiness. What a good God, he traded us righteousness for wretchedness, holiness for hopelessness, faithfulness for filthiness. What a good God, what a good God, what a good, good God. Yeah, yeah I want you guys to know you're so valuable. You're so valuable. You really are. You know, we, we place value on an object based on the price we're willing to pay for it. And every single one of you is the object of his affection. And the highest price was paid, the blood of Jesus, which means you are of highest value. Yeah, you really are. Lord, we just thank you for tonight. Thank you for everything that you're doing in our hearts. Yeah. And I just, yeah, I think we're just going to open up the Pauline epistles more. How about that? And see what Paul saw. Yeah. 
Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Love you guys.